mindfulness mode. It's too easy to keep looking at the next mountain. You got to turn around and enjoy the view. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your life coach and uh, mentor, Bruce Langford. So good to be here. And today I have a very special guest who's been on the show before and he's shared so much wisdom with us. And he's here again to talk about focus today. And we're going to talk about how we can get through some of the challenges that we're all dealing with nowadays using focus to do that. I'm here with my friend. David Wood. David, are you in mindfulness mode today? My answer is yes. And I, and I blame you. I think it's because of, of your calm and your peacefulness, the pace of your speaking. It's had me slow down, feel grounded, feel my butt on the chair. I feel the energy flowing through my body. So yes. David, I have so much admiration for what you do, what you've achieved in life. And you, uh, you just have so much great ability to reach people and to connect with people. And I know that you're, you're constantly looking at ways that you can do that better and, and more uh, just on a deeper level. Uh, David, what does mindfulness mean to you? Let's just talk about mindfulness before we get into talking in more depth about focus. Yeah, I was thinking about our first interview and you uh, may be the only person ever asked me that. And I had to think, what does it mean? Sometimes it might have been as, as recently as yesterday, I was playing a video game and I just became aware of my body as I was waiting for the next game to load. And I was thinking, this feels good in my body. I like the, the energy that's coursing through it. So it was like I had a moment of presence. And it's so easy to lose that and get lost in the mind. And then we're like the matrix. I think the matrix is an amazing movie, but we get lost in this world of thinking. And just to come back to some of the things that we, at least as close to the here and now as we can find, like the breath, or like feeling my body, or sometimes if I'm really lost, I might even touch a wall and just touch a wall and go, all right, there's some solidity here. And it draws energy away from thinking. And so to me, that's, that's perhaps a doorway into mindfulness. Well, you are talking a lot about focus these days. And I know on our last, our last chat, it was episode 423, and we talked about playing, you know, how we need to play life for real. And we talked how we need fun and we need to lighten up sometimes. Well, let's talk about this topic of focus. We've got so much going on in the world these days. And, and you were just telling me before I hit record that the fires have come so close to your home that that has been such a an issue that you've been dealing with and creates real fear in your life how can we use focus to be more content be happier and feel like our lives are unfolding the way they should be i love the question we are so scattered generally as humans the human mind is like a monkey on crack. It's just over here and over there and over here and over there. And that's even if you're sitting quietly in a room with no distractions. But then uh, I work with a lot of, lot of business owners and it's even worse for business owners, I think, is because we have so many options and ideas and strategies we could pursue but it also extends to any human. If you've got a job, if you've got kids, if you've got a partner, you got to track your insurance and your finances and your house and your car and, and your career and your relationships. It's a, I imagine, Bruce, that 200 years ago, life was simpler. You might wake up and say, I'm going to chop down a tree today. And you go out and chop down a tree. You know, or maybe in the stereotypical gender roles, 
the woman's like, I'm going to, I'm going to cook something. I'm going to cook up something. Uh, it, it was simple. You didn't have Facebook messages coming at you all the time. You didn't have text messages. You didn't have email to check. You didn't have thousands of options and hugely complex systems. What about health insurance, right? There's so much. So what I realized is that shiny object syndrome is a real thing. It's, you know, it came from the idea that a kid might play with a toy and then it's like, oh, here's, this is shiny. I'll go and play with this toy. And then I'll play with this toy. And what happens is we end up feeling scattered and overwhelmed. There's no peace and we're not productive. It, we, we're not actually creating the life that we really want. And I want everybody, I want every listener to know what's important to them. That's the first thing. So that they create really clear goals. This is my vision of my life. Now, if you love your life exactly as it is and you have, want to create no goals, that's wonderful. Most humans that I know want to go from A to B because that's a fun game. So firstly, let's know where we're going. And then how do you focus on that and remove the distractions so that you can be impactful? And it's, it's, not, it's not complex to get there, but it's also not easy because life is trying to pull you away in a hundred different directions. So my job with my clients is let's work out what you really want and then let's have you actually focus on that because peaceful focused action feels really good. Yes, it does. It feels great to be focused and feel good about what you're doing. And what about you? What are you doing right now that you feel so incredibly satisfied with? Well, one thing I've chosen to focus on is my health. So, and, and when I get into something, Bruce, I, I get into it. So uh, I think a couple of months ago, I had four different coaches. Now I'm, I'm working with an energy healer I'm, who's got me running in my underwear in the snow barefoot. Oh, um, are you a Wim Hof follower? A little, little, little bit. I don't know much about Wim Hof, but if my energy healer, like I'm paying him good money and he says, you strip down to your underwear and do 72 steps in the snow barefoot. It will help your energy. Plus, I want you to have cold showers each day. So I'm doing it. I'm doing exercise snacks. After this interview, I'll probably go out and do, get on the chin-up bar and do some, some pull-ups just for, just for like a minute. That's all. So that's one example of focus, and it feels good to me. Uh, plus, I have a green smoothie every morning. And I'm now, I'm now blessed with an assistant who comes to my house and, and makes those smoothies for the whole week. So I just go to the fridge and there's nutrition. But there's one example of an area where I'm like, all right, let's do this well. And now it's quite easy. I've got, I've got my system set up and I don't have to put a lot of effort into it. I want that for our listeners. I want you maybe it's health for you maybe it's finances for you maybe you you want to double your income maybe you want to increase your happiness but i want you to pick an area and then go deep into that so that you can feel like you too have peaceful focused action and get the results that you want david if you paused and took a moment and searched deep within you would you find some anger in there about something? And what would that little bit of anger be that you could share with us that you haven't let go of yet? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't identify it yet as anger, but I bet there's anger. I think, I think almost all of us have some, for me, it, it occurs as frustration and it's around about, I mean, I've been dealing with anxiety and depression for, for 20 years. Um, I, I had some trauma as a kid, which apparently is still impacting me. Mm -hmm. And about 12, 15 years ago, I started feeling tired uh, quite often and had some trouble sleeping. And I've tried 
so many different things to work on my energy. And it's, it's working to the point that I can sit here with you and I feel good right now. About three o'clock this afternoon, I'll probably uh, do a meditation and then hopefully I can go out and be with friends, but sometimes I can't. Sometimes I'm just too tired. And I'm pretty annoyed about that. I, you know, I, I would think that after 20, 15 years of trying so many different things, I would just be able to have uh, power over it. And I don't have complete power over it. And I find that frustrating. I have not fully surrendered yet to that. And I believe that that is probably the next big lesson for me. I think you're right. I think it's a huge lesson for all of us to be able to let go, to forgive that which we're holding on to. Can we talk about that trauma with your sister when you were yeah. a child? Yeah. So, so what happened, David? What happened is uh, when I was seven years old, my five-year-old sister got off the bus and somehow got under the bus and was killed by the bus. So that was last time I saw my sister and I didn't, we, I didn't know about trauma as a seven year old kid. I don't think my parents knew much back then. I'm 52. So that was 45 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we didn't do therapy back then in Australia. Uh, it wasn't really a thing to take kids to a funeral. It was like, let's protect them. So I grew up uh, with some weird things that I didn't even know about until I was 23 and I went to a psychiatrist and said, I have broken up with my first love eight times in a row and I know I can't go back to her unless there's some reason to expect things will be different. And that psychiatrist said to me, well, after talking to you for an hour, I my hypothesis is that you've had a complicated grief reaction. You've, you've never properly grieved for your sister. I think you are a caring man, and this is why you're starting to have trouble and you don't have access to your feelings, and I think I can help you. And I tell you, Bruce, that might have been the best day of my life to wow. hear that there's a reason for all of this, and I think I can help you, and that began of a long process of learning how to cry, learning how to love. And, and I, I think it's impacted my whole life's journey and my career because as I've gotten in touch with my emotions and started to accept myself, I want to share that with others and help them to love and accept themselves and get in touch with their emotions and connect deeper with family and friends and staff and customers. So I think it's influenced my entire life. I'm sure it has. And if you could go back to that moment in time and that day in history, was it the bus driver you were the most angry with? Who would you say you were angry with as a result of what happened to your sister? Or can you pinpoint that? No, I can't. I definitely wasn't angry with the bus driver. He came to the house. I remember a lot of visitors, a lot of flowers, and he came to the house and he was a mess. The guy was, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a bit teary right now thinking about it. The guy was a mess, mm -hmm. very emotional. And I, I, you know, I haven't thought about him for, for years and years, but I imagine that would be very hard for him to live with. So no, it wasn't him. I don't think it was my parents, at least not for that. Uh, I was definitely angry with my parents for a lot of stuff mm -hmm. growing up, but not for that. And I don't think I was angry with myself. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure there's some kind of survivor guilt. And like, if I'd just been looking at the right time, I could have stopped it, but it hasn't, hasn't really come up very strongly. So it might be God. Yeah. Um, I was, I did believe in God. I was raised to believe in God and I, and I went to church every week, 
in, in fact, I ended up ended up going to church three times a week because I was a church organist and I went to different churches as a 15 as year old kid. And I'd play for uh, funerals and um, weddings. And so I got a lot of access to scriptures and it just did not make sense to me. And finally, um, I, I think I was a bit angry at God, like, how could you do this and whatever? And then I, then I became an atheist I, I and mm. choose it. It was just like, you know, this doesn't make sense. It makes more sense to me that there's some kind of universal thing happening that I don't understand. I get that. There's some, and reality is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. I get that. And um, I get a sense of oneness. I realize that it doesn't really make any sense to separate me from you. Um, and that made a lot more sense to me than, than some, some divine being that, that was uh, guiding everything, including the death of my sister. Right. So you still believe in a universal power. Is that right? You know, Byron Katie um, says something that really relates to me. She says that her God is reality. And I think she says because reality is bigger than her. You know, mm. now she says, because reality rules mm. and that, you know, uh, I, I, you know, this might be provocative to say, but I, I'm, I'm going to do it and take a risk here. Um, I, when I did a lot of the Byron Katie work, I came out of one of the courses and I said, I am the universe's bitch. That, and that was, that was me surrendering. It's like, I am the universe's bitch. I just... Whatever the universe says, whatever the universe wants, the universe is bigger than me. I keep pushing against it. I keep trying to move it, and it is so much bigger than me. It's just ridiculous, which reminds me of Marianne Williamson. She said whenever she was really desperate, she'd fall down on her knees and ask for guidance. Yeah. And finally, she just decided it was time efficient to just not get back up uh. and just stay on her knees. And what else have you learned from Marianne? Um, Well, I saw Marianne came and she was a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, which which, um, until recently I was a member of. And what I learned is that there are some very powerful beings in the world. And she, man, she blew the roof off off the room when she spoke. And she, you know, she was talking to, a bunch of, of people that I was in awe of, like Jack Canfield and John Gray and and now Don Miguel Ruiz is a member. And she just, man, she tore the roof off that house. So I learned uh I learned what 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 real power can look like in a in a human. That's the main thing I got from her. You help people with their power. How do you do that? How do you help people find their true place in the world so that they can move forward and create and and have income that they desire and be productive? You know, the first step, and I, I've been coaching for 20 years, the first step is take out a paint, you know, metaphorically, take out a paintbrush with a blank canvas and create your vision. It's it's surprising the number of people that don't have really clear goals that light them up and write them down. And for years I went, I went without doing that. So you don't have to do it this way, but it can be fun to say, all right, all right, a year from now, how do I want my life to look? And what I do with my clients is I say, look, just start with some simple, some simple areas like dollars. Write down on the left hand, if you've got a piece of paper on the left hand side, write down um, the current state of your life. Here are my dollars. Here uh, is my time off. And, uh, you know, let's suppose you work a 40 hour week. I would put zero for that because I think relative to to 40 hour week is a good number. And if you work 60 hours, then your time off is minus 20. And if you work 20 hours, your time off is 20. So write down your time off. And then you might have some other metrics like relationship with your kids. You might score that out of 10. Your relationship with your spouse or your girlfriend or boyfriend, you might score that out of 10. I, these are just some, some areas that 
are important to a lot of people. If you have a business, what's a metric that you really want to track in your business? It might be the number of customers who are, who are thrilled by you. So that's what it is now. And then a year from now, what would you love it to look like? And write down some numbers, write down some metrics, write down what would have you do the happy dance? What would have you celebrate your ass off? That's what we're looking for. Because I, you know, money in itself uh, isn't really anything. But if more money would have your life be easier and help with all the rest of the stuff, then let's, let's have you make more. And then what I like people to do is to have a column in the middle and say, all right, eight weeks from now, because a year, it's hard to relate to, Bruce. It's mm-hmm. just pie in the sky. I've got one client. He created a three-year goal, uh, which was $10 million a year is what he wanted. But it wasn't real. It didn't mean anything until he came back to a year from now and said, well, I need 10 brands each making a million. Can I do that? Yeah, it's going to be hard, but I can do it. All right, so now it's real. And then he brought it back to eight weeks. What are we shooting for eight weeks from now? This is what I want my income to be. This is what I want my relationships to look like. Uh, this may be a health goal. This is what I want in my health. I started with 80 push-ups a day. It took me a number of goes to get there, but I got up to 80 the first day I tried it. And then after a month, I was up to 150. That's, a, that's fun for me to track that. So I would say that step number one is just do some visioning and have a clear idea of the goals. And then step two is also very, very important. How do you maintain a thread between what you're doing each day and those goals? It's too easy to just put it on the fridge and forget about it. So this is so simple. Anyone can do this. Set a date with yourself. I call this a CEO date because you are the CEO of your own life. Set a date with yourself once a week. Could be Sunday morning over a cup of coffee. Could be Friday at four o'clock. 20 minutes is enough. Look back on what you accomplished in the last seven days and celebrate because it's too easy to keep looking at the next mountain. You got to turn around and enjoy the view from time to time. So you celebrate what you did and then set your seven day goals for that week, what am I actually going to accomplish in the next seven days to get me to my eight-week goals? That's how you maintain the thread. And then for bonus points, what are the two most important things I will do tomorrow? That's, that's it. Create your goals and then have a weekly date with yourself to just look at the goals and say, all right, what am I going to bite off? Because how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time. What will right. I bite off this week? What will I bite off tomorrow? And those are the first two steps I, I usually recommend to, to all my clients. And it's so great because yes, it sounds simple, but so many people don't stop to do it. And you have such a great way of communicating this to people. So I can understand how your clients are able to move forward quite quickly because it all makes sense when you explain it. So how important is creativity in your life? I know that you said you were a musician as a teen and you played in churches. Do you still play? Are you still a musician? I still... um I have the guitar sitting out there. There's a guitar behind me, an electric guitar. At the moment, I'm not playing. I don't know why. I look at it, and I just don't seem to want to pick it up, but the time will come again when I'll get into some songs. Um, I rarely create my own music, but I do have some audios on my phone. Uh, Once I woke up at 3 a.m., it was about six months ago, I woke up at 3 a.m., had a lot of trouble sleeping, and this wonderful music came out of me and I, I've managed to record it. So eventually I do plan to uh, hire a coach and create some songs because I think it's in me. And that's one thing I'd like to do before I die. My creativity normally comes out in, in my work. So recently I, I sat down and I totally rebranded, as you know, and I looked at what are my clients really coming to me for? Well, they're coming to me for focus. 
So I registered focus.ceo and that was a creative process. Like, what are you going to call your, what website are you going to get out of the thousands of possibilities and out of the hundred things that I offer my clients, what am I going to call it so that it's clear to people? And I realized they all want focus from me. So let's do that. But why do they want focus? Well, most of them, most business owners that I work with, they want more revenue. They want to double revenue over 12 months. So I wrapped. What I really care about is people being extraordinary. I want you, Bruce, not to be my definition of extraordinary, but I want you to be your extraordinary version of yourself, which probably means telling the truth a lot, screwing up your courage, taking some risks in relationships, being more caring. That's probably what it is, but I want people to be extraordinary. I've wrapped that in what they seem to need, which is focus. And then I've wrapped that again in what the mind usually cares about, which is, well, let's start with the money. Let's get more money. And then that, you know, helps them pay their coaching fee. So it makes sense. But my secret agenda, yes, I want to help you double your revenue, but I want you to love your life and I want you to love yourself. So there's my creativity in like creating the brand and then the website. I got to tell you, it's beautiful. Listeners, go to focus.ceo and just bask in the beauty. I got this designer, did such a job with that. I said, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I want. And then, then I had to go, okay, if I'm going to do an eight-week program to help people focus on what matters and double their revenue over a year and bump it by 20% over eight weeks, what will we focus on and that you know that really took something and now i have this beautiful model uh which is nine step plan and so there's there's my creativity and then i have to create uh, a 60 minute webinar which at the time right now today it, the webinar is not ready but by this by this time next week there'll be a training a free training so that people can really get some of the um the key pieces of this that takes a lot of creativity. It sure does. Hey, Bruce here. I'm interrupting briefly, Mindful Tribe. I'm talking to you. If you've been trying to lose weight or quit smoking, maybe you've just worked and worked and worked on it. Maybe you're feeling it's hopeless and you're discouraged. Well, you might have even tried so many times to make these changes that you're just feeling defeated. Well, I am now trained and qualified in hypnosis and I use mindfulness combined with hypnosis to help you reach your goal. I'm starting a beta test program and the first three people to email me will have the opportunity to participate in this beta program and you'll not only reach your goals, but you'll get one-on-one help from me for 50% off. I've lost 35 pounds myself since January with the help of hypnosis, and it feels like a miracle. I can barely believe how much my thinking has changed. And this is why I'm so passionate about it, because it's made a huge difference for me. And if hypnosis has worked so well for me, it can work for you too. Sign up for the beta test, get 50% off the price of the program, and a guarantee to go with it. So email me, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com, and we'll get on a free 45-minute call to answer all your questions. Just put beta test in the subject line, and I look forward to talking to you. And now, back to the show. It really does. And all this talk about focus and being extraordinary takes us to your new podcast, which is called Extraordinary Focus. What a great name for a podcast. So that will be starting soon. What are some of your plans for that podcast, David? I notice I'm smiling hearing that. It's a a fun question. Well, what's cool about a podcast, and I I bet you know this, is that you get it's it's an it's a reason or excuse to connect with some really cool people that you'd like to have a relationship with. So it's going to start. I've already got the episode recorded with John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneurs on Fire, and I, my plan is to reach out to thirty top entrepreneurs who I feel inspired by, who I like in some way, 
and to uh, invite them to have a conversation with me so we can share with people how to be an extraordinary entrepreneur and human. That's what I really care about. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about money. We'll talk about plotting your course. We'll talk about being unstoppable. We'll talk about leads converting to sales. We'll talk about leverage so you're not the bottleneck in your business. We'll do all of that stuff. But we'll also cover how do you be a more extraordinary entrepreneur, partner, parent, leader, and human. And that excites me that I'll get to talk to people about that and find out how they do it. That sounds really like fun. So Mindful Tribe, check out Extraordinary Focus and subscribe and listen to David as he moves along this journey. David, tell me about your dog. What does your dog mean to you in life? And does your dog help you to be more mindful? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a great question. You know, just yesterday, because I, I sometimes I get lost in my head and I'm thinking about all the things I need to do or I'm doing the things I need to do. And yesterday I buried my face in her fur mm. and just inhaled. And I imagine someone who's more in tune with energy would be able to describe more what happened. But there was like a state change in my body. And I thought I should do this more often. And every, everybody should do this more often to just um, be right here, right now with another living creature. So I, you know, sometimes I'll just, I'll take a break, I'll go out, I'll do my chin-ups and I'll see her on the bed and I'll go, hello, hello, and I'll get the tail wagging, I'll go up yeah. and I'll just, you know, it'll be just like 10 seconds. So it, does that have me be more mindful? I don't know, I'm more present with her in, in those moments and it's, it's kind of like a comeback to now and then I'll go back into the head for a while and what's her name her name's Bella and she's Bella. such a darling last night I was having dinner and I looked down at her and you know dogs are so good at doing this they just get so submissive and I and I just look at her and she starts to like get down on the floor and she's like laying down because she knows if she lays down she might get a treat she yeah. might get some of my food and then she might even roll over and she, I'm just looking at her going you are so adorable and something an ex-girlfriend of mine used to say to me, she used to say, I love you so much. She'd just say it out of nowhere. I love you so much. And I find myself saying that to my dog sometimes. I look at her and I go, I love you so much. It's not a bad I, thing to say to, say to uh, another creature every now and then. No, it's not. It, it feels amazing to have somebody say that to you. What breed is your dog? What breed is Bella? She's a she's quite a mix. She looks like a corgi shepherd because she's got a long body with little legs, but her face looks like a German shepherd. So I tell people she's a corgi shepherd, and they seem happy with that. But technically, her her sister got tested because I'm I'm still in touch with the parents of her litter, and her sister came back as a quarter boxer and one eighth chihuahua. And the rest they couldn't tell, but it's probably some some dachshund. Right. Yeah. I remember I was doing a mindfulness training a couple of years ago, and we were doing this exercise, and it was we were going around the circle, and I did not know what I was going to say. I just put it out there, and I said, "Okay, just share your favorite smell." And we came around the circle. When it came to me, I said, "My dog," and then. Afterwards, I thought, well, maybe people might think that's a bit strange. But when you were talking a moment ago, the smell of my dog immediately came into my mind. And she passed away last year. And I really miss her a lot. But that smell is still within me. I still, I still remember. Like she just had a certain smell about her and, of course, a certain way about her. And that smell can take me right back to almost feeling like the presence of being with Sadie. Oh, I so relate to that. Yes. When, when I had to give up my cat because I was moving to Bali, I was lying there with my cat and it was the last night I was going to be there and I inhaled fully. And I was like, how do I be fully present right now and like into my cells? And I was imagining a year hence when I wouldn't have the cat and I was missing, missing him. And 
so I kind of time traveled and I was like, imagine missing the cat. And then I came back to right now and there he was. And I think I can still, you know, still smell that cat is such a great anchor. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great anchor. Yes. Well, we talked a lot on the other interview about different things that, uh, you are working on and, and different questions we had. And I, I always talk about bullying in your, in your field of, of coaching, have you ever felt as though, Oh my gosh, I'm dealing with a bully here. What am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? Do you have a story you can share with us about your, your coaching and, and dealing with a bullying situation and how mindfulness would have helped you move through it or maybe it did help you move through it well i think you'll like this one this may not be what you're asking but um i have like after after high school and and when i uh, discovered personal growth and i discovered communication and i discovered tough conversations my coach kept encouraging me to clean up my past and, and make lists of people that I resented and that I was holding anger against. And so I'd make the list and the coach is like, all right, now you're going to call them. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> don't be stupid. It's been 20 years since high school. I'm going to call someone I don't like. And through good coaching, I managed to find my, my way to call a guy that I used to like and we used to be friends and then he would bully me. Mm. He would, you know, not, not physically, but he would make fun of me in class and he would put me down and kind of get the other kids riled up against me. And uh, so I hated him. And through the coaching, I said to the coach, I'm not calling him. The coach said, why not? And I said, because he's going to think I'm a dickhead. And the coach said, then lead with that. And that was such good coaching because that gave me access to call him up and say, I'm just so nervous to call you because I th- worried you're going to think I'm such an idiot. And he said, well, what's going on? Tell me. And I said, I, you know, I always felt pushed around and bullied and belittled by you at, at school. And I've been holding on to that for 20 years and I'm letting it go now. And I, I just wanted to let you know. And he said the most amazing thing. He said, well, what can I say or do now to help you or us move forward. I couldn't believe this guy I thought was such a jerk could say something like that. We had a wonderful conversation. And then, and he said, look, you know, there was some competition with you. And so, you know, I'm sure that I was being competitive with you. When I went back to my hometown a few years later, he happened to be there visiting as well. And he was there in the pub. And normally I would have ignored him, but he came over, he sat down. And when he invited people back to his home, he included me and was back to his, his house at midnight. And we're having beers out in the backyard. And he said to me, I don't think I ever would have the courage to make the phone call that you made. And that meant the world to me because I really did respect him and look up to him. So there's, there's, there's my my bully story. That is a fascinating story. And and the thing is, you were afraid he would think you had no courage, that basically you were a dick. Yep. You'd have no courage. And in fact, yep. the opposite happened. Yep. So is, amazing. It is amazing. Yeah, I've done I've done so many calls like that. That's why, you know, the the other podcast that I, I launched is called Tough Conversations, because I think they're they're, they're our doorways to uh, I say the tough conversations we haven't had form the boundaries of our world. So it's, it's, you know, they call tough conversations for a reason. There's always something we're afraid of. There's something about ourselves to learn. So to me, I think people who want to be more extraordinary, if you want that, you know, you might not care about that, but if you want to be a more extraordinary version of yourself, it's leaning into the edges. Oh, Bruce, I haven't told you about the book that I'm oh, writing. Yeah. Tell us. I'm writing a book right now, and it totally fits with this. It's called Name That Mouse. Okay. And uh, we all know about addressing the elephant in the room. Yes, we do. You, you, you see it. 
I see it. No one's talking about it, right? That's the elephant in the room. But a lot of creatures are much, are much more subtle. They're much, you're much smaller. It might be a mouse. It, let's say I'm five minutes late to this podcast and I don't say anything about it. And I'm wondering, is Bruce annoyed? Does he feel disrespected? Should I say something? Should I say something? That's a mouse. Yes. So the book is all about how to name the mice in your life uh, to, to, to be in deeper connection with people and to have more influence and have more expression. So I, I've called it Name That Mouse because we all know about the elephant. But what about those subtle little creatures running around? Maybe I see it and I don't know if you see it. I'm going to name it and find out. And when does your book come out? What point are you at in the writing process? Well, I've just started with a co-author and what we're going to do is launch a Kickstarter campaign because I don't want to write the book until I know that the world wants this book. I think right. it's a great idea. But uh, we're, so we'll do a Kickstarter and just have people donate, you know, $3, $5, $20, whatever to the campaign. And then uh, if we achieve our goal, and I, I haven't set a target yet, but if we achieve the target, we'll figure people are voting with their wallet and we will uh, we'll give them initially a five-page PDF which outlines, gets you started in naming the, the, the mouse. And it's going to be some really cute pictures and illustrations of there'll be a desire mouse, a confession mouse wearing a priest robe. There'll be a, an expression mouse. There'll be a reality check mouse. Um, so you'll get that and hopefully people want to spread that and they, the campaign will grow. And if it does, we'll then write a, a, a booklet. We'll expand it and probably give it to everybody who donated to the Kickstarter campaign. This sounds like a fascinating project and a lot of fun too. Yeah, thank you. It is. It's so simple, but we just want to give people a little bit of guidance to name the mice in their life and, and, and see what happens. Uh, definitely. I think it's going to, I think it could really change the world. It could have us be show up more as leaders in our own lives and in our own relationships and i think the I, world could use more mice naming instead of because those mice will breed you don't name them they will breed yes and then they do become a big entity then then we got an elephant stomping around and everything. yeah absolutely yeah david i was listening to someone recently and he said these six words and i want to run them by you and see what you think see what your your feedback is the six words are Forgiveness is the antidote to anger. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's true. You know, people think that, you know, we hold, the ego holds on and says, I'm not going to forgive, you know, I'm not going to forgive them. They don't deserve it. But it's so clear to me that forgiveness is not for the other person. That's yes. not who it's for. No. You forgive them so that you have peace and you're not holding on to anything. And then there's another level, I believe. So we start, that, that's a starting point. If you can forgive them, say, I, I forgive you for that. But the next level is to realize that they didn't do anything that needs forgiving. Yeah. So, you know, let's suppose the bus driver and I was angry at the bus driver. I could start with, I forgive you for killing my sister. But then I get to the point where like you did, you, you just were doing you, you were doing your thing and it happened. There is nothing to forgive. Now gets harder for me. Let's say, um, I don't know if I've ever had a girlfriend that I've knowingly had a girlfriend cheat on me. No, I did. I, did. I have a, had a, a, uh, no, not quite. Cause I, I deal with like really, uh, open communication but i have had a girlfriend do something that really hurt me um staying out with another guy not coming home all night this this was uh, my wife mm -hmm. actually and and I, to this day i believe they weren't having sex but in the end i didn't even care because i was losing my mind because uh, i've got abandonment issues right who knew abandonment issues and so i did it took me years to forgive her for what she did, but the next level is she did what she needed to do. There was nothing to forgive. And also, can I forgive myself for not drawing boundaries earlier? 
because I put myself through that. I could have said, if you keep doing this, one of us is going to leave. I could have done that, didn't do it. So I start with forgiveness for myself. And then can you find their innocence? Can I find my own innocence so there's nothing to forgive? Can I find my ex-wife's innocence so that there's nothing to forgive? And I have, in this particular example, I have found her innocence. There is no longer anything to forgive. And two years ago, I went and stayed with her and her new husband and her six-year-old boy who calls me Uncle David now. And people sometimes say to me, what, what are you proudest of in your life? And I've accomplished a lot of things in my life, but I'm probably proudest of my relationship with my ex-wife, who I still love dearly. Because it could have gone another way. And it did for a few years. And I'm, I'm proud of that. That's a great story, David. I really like that. And I, I realize the more we talk, the more we have in common when, you know, different things that you've said, you know, about the abandonment issues and yeah, I can kind of put a check mark there. And I, you know, you talked about being a church musician and I was a church musician in my teens and did it for wow. a long time. Yeah. I was at, uh, when I went through university, I had two churches and I was a music director, choir director, and I would rush to one church and then rush to another church every Sunday morning and on the Saturday nights. Before that, I would be out playing at a piano bar or some kind of bar where I played the piano. And uh, so, you know, that was what I did to raise money for the university degree that I went through for and uh, then ended up with a music degree and uh, absolutely loved music and still do. But like you, I don't play as much music right now. And I kind of felt myself thinking the same thing you said, like, I'm not sure why I don't exactly, you know, because for a very long time in my life, I played every single day and I composed a lot of music and, you know, just kept practicing and teaching and doing all of that. So I absolutely love music. So we have a lot in common. Yeah, we do. I think I'm going to buy an electric piano. I, I've, you know, I, I played the organ and, and I love piano. And I, 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 I get a bit obsessed with things sometimes and I set goals sometimes that are like really difficult. And one goal is to learn Bohemian Rhapsody on the piano. And I found an, an arrangement that's so complex and beyond my skill level. But if I keep working at it and eating the elephant one bite at a time. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just I'm resistant to pay the 500 bucks to get that secondhand electric piano. But I think I'd probably sit down at least for five minutes every day and uh, and play it. So I think that's coming. I go, go through phases. Yes. Through phases of this stuff. Yeah, I do, yeah. too. Yeah, I do too. David, I know you have a gift for our listeners for Mindful Tribe. Tell us what you have. Yeah, I have a, a six-minute video. I, I thought, how do I help people really focus, whether it's you want to double your revenue or you want to increase your income or there's, there's, there are projects that you have in your life. I put the five steps on how to achieve much more in less time into a six-minute video. And you can get that at myfocusgift.com. Now, if you are a business owner, there are more goodies on that page. There are a couple other things. There's a cheat sheet on the, the um, first steps to doubling revenue. And uh, there's also, you can, you can request a 15-minute double your revenue audit. So for business owners, you'll, you'll really uh, hit gold there. But even if you don't own your own business, get that video and the six minutes, just five steps, it's going to have you do twice as much of what matters to you in the time you have available. Myfocusgift.com. Yep. Yeah. Check it out, Mindful Tribe. David doesn't put out something that isn't amazing and filled with value. So I can assure you that if you go to myfocusgift.com, you'll be glad you did. And I'm glad... We jumped in this call today, David. It's so great to talk to you again and to connect and find out what you're doing in your life and so on. So I can't wait for your new book. The, Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, that's going to be really exciting to hear about Name That Mouse 
So I'll be, I'll be following that and we can always check in with you at your website and the best place to do that. You already said, tell us again, your website that is the best place for us to check in to just see what's up with David. Yeah. Well, my focus will take you straight to my, my website. Uh, it goes straight there and you'll be able to, yeah, you see what I'm up to. If you're a business owner, you can look at the, uh, the Samurai program that I have for business owners wanting to double, double revenue. Um, and if you subscribe, well, when you get the video, you put your email address in to get the video. I send it, usually send a couple of videos a week and uh, they might be podcast episodes, but there'll be tools to help you focus. Well, thanks for all that you do. And, you know, helping people to focus is a huge gift to people because there are a lot of people. I mean, I'm this way sometimes, like I, I just can't figure out why I can't get focused on a certain thing. And mindfulness helps me with that. Of course, I, I then think, okay, I just need to stop and meditate or I need to stop and, you know, do a, a walk, a meditative walk or something. But, uh, you know, I really appreciate the work you do and mindful tribe, go to myfocusgift.com and thank you, David. Do you have any final words before we say goodbye of advice about focus to our mindful tribe listeners? Well, what I want to say is, uh, listeners, you're in good hands with Bruce. I, Bruce, I'm really enjoying being with you. I'm enjoying your presence. And I think one of the best ways to teach is to model. And you do that really well. So I, I just, I, w I would say, listeners, share this podcast with other people so that the world could be more mindful. That, that would be my suggestion. I think that would make a difference in the world. Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening, for subscribing and for reviewing the show and for telling your friends about Mindfulness Mode. Thanks also to Erica Flint's Cascade Hypnosis Center for being our valued sponsor. Erica is a terrific teacher of hypnosis and I know that because I am a graduate of her program. Now, if you're a healer, a coach, a therapist, a counselor, or just someone who loves helping people, you might want to consider the powerful results that can be achieved with hypnosis. You can learn how to do it. Contact the team over at CascadeHypnosisCenter.com and take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.